Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, we are a team collaborating on speaking about Lead from the Heart for Humanity 2022. We have backgrounds in business and more spirituality and coaching, coaches. Um, the fundamental core value we share is to speak about this visionary leadership, a thing called Leading from the Heart. Um, I come from a business psychology and education background and so from the landscape that i witnessed it is a great time in 2022 to amplify this message because now the world calls for the new type of leadership so our moderators are rusty jason bill vivian and andre and happy to um, dialogue about this article we need to bring heart and soul back to leadership by Bill George. This article is written in the Stanford Graduate School of Business um, Education Forum, and it was written in 2016. So basically what this article is speaking about is that we do need to put stakeholders a priority compared to the shareholders. Um, if you've seen the movie the Don't Look Up by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer, um, what's her last name? The beautiful one. Jennifer yes. Lawrence. And they actually did a screening here on Clubhouse with the director and producers and everybody hit play at the same time. And they told us all about the intentions of the movie and stuff. It was amazing. Yeah, so good, so good. And this is a movie about how people are negligent about what is right in front of us. That the quote, quote, the um, you know environmental disaster that we are sometimes denying it. And so, at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, my impact team, lead impact team, has did it done a case study on this movie and we are learning about the fundamental importance of type of new leadership so yes um secondary or tertiary tertiary or the core principle that we gather here today is to stay center in the heart so and i'm going to open up this dialogue a horizontal way and so please feel free to chime in uh, moderators what are your thoughts about this article yeah well i'll um i'll i'll, I'll start um what what immediately uh jumped out to me um is um uh, just looking at it now uh, there it is, uh, is where he says, uh, the ability to listen to one's own voice and have the self-discipline to maintain one's values in and outside of the workplace are also critical. And I was just reflecting that that's really, um, that's really the essence of heart-centered leadership and it's also the essence of uh, creativity is that we're coming from the heart and the heart is the connection to the larger truth and so rather than just being um, impinged upon and influenced by the immediate um, externals in our environment we're connected to that larger truth through our heart and that that's the way that the 
the heart-centered leader um, leads. And what, what immediately comes to mind as I, as I say that is that uh, I don't have a, you know, a lot of experience with the um, corporate level, but what I understand is that we're asking the CEO to lead from the heart, but it's, as I understand it, it's the, the board that um, uh, basically has the capacity to, to hire and fire um, the CEO. And so I would be very interested to know what we can do to reach the, um, the board members so that they too can learn that they have a heart and, um, yeah, learn to, to follow their heart. So anyway, just some initial um, reflections on that article. Thank you. I'm complete. That's a really great point, Jason. As a matter of fact, in the article, they actually admit that they chose um, charisma over character, that they were looking for somebody to save them and just manipulate a few numbers and, uh, you know, just suddenly fix all the company's problems overnight. And this guy, kind of the CEO that they chose, convinced them that he could, and they chose charisma over character. And that is exactly leading from the heart. Um, I like that, uh, like in near the end of the article, it says George issued a plea for future leaders to think carefully about what really counts in life. If your fulfillment in life comes from money, power, and titles, you will find that there's never enough. That's the inevitable result. He says, if your fulfillment comes from relationships, love, joy, and making a difference in the world, you'll find that both your life and your work have great meaning. And there it is. And those people will still turn your numbers around. You know, it, the process might take a little bit longer, but it builds upon a much more solid and lasting foundation. It's not a quick fix. You know, it's not a Band-Aid. It's solving the problem. And, and there's a difference. So they actually admit that was exactly the key mistake that they made is they, they, they chose like the quick and the surface over... Um, over what we've been talking about in this entire series, which is leading from the heart, and that is character. Because while, while the board can fire and hire the CEO, the character of the CEO in a large way shapes the company. We've seen that with so many iconic brands and CEOs, like their personality very much becomes the lifeblood of the company and what the company stands for. So it's, it's a much deeper choice than just picking somebody who's a good number pusher. That that's great, Andre, and and I appreciate what you brought up, Jason. And you know, Kate, I think one of the things kind of stuck out to me in that that article, um, getting through at least the first half. And I know in the sports world we kind of touch on it, but in my two plus decades um, in a senior role, uh, so the C-suite world, if you will, I think when when we saw things really shift, is when as leadership we embraced the informal. You know, everything's formal from policy, procedure, budgets, bottom line, you know, employees, FTEs, etc. But as an organization, and now we apply it a lot, um, I apply it with the individuals that I work with and a lot of our sports teams, it's when you acknowledge the informal, you're really bringing everyone around the table. And when you equate that to leading with the heart, I think people recognize that, you know, when you start talking about 
what's really going on or what um, your employee's feelings really are, and it's okay to talk about that, that will naturally increase you know, production or increase performance. Uh, but more so, I think people begin to you know, kind of make that connection that informally someone's listening to me. And I may have only been working here for a week or a month, <clears throat> but it's important here because informally people are asking me for my input. Uh, people are asking, how am I doing? How's my family doing? And I think when you take that approach, there's a natural connection of pulling up. Uh, and when more leaders recognize the informal, whether it's on a team, whether it's in a company, you know, a large corporation or, you know, just a small business, even you see performance go up because people do feel that you care about them. Right. Which equates to leading from the heart and, and, you know, being able to say without saying or saying, Hey, I appreciate what you do for us. We want to hear from you. And that all, you know, translates to, um, you know, love in the workplace. So that's, that's what I got out of the first half of the article. Uh, I just, uh, uh, go ahead, Jason, you're going to respond, please. Okay. Thanks, Rusty. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that, um, that those are that those are great points, and, and what immediately was coming up for me um, in speaking about the informal is a, a conversation that I had this morning. Um, there's a couple of uh, friends that I have who work in the uh, in the corporate space, and one lady who's been in the IT corporate space for many many years, and she was saying that actually what she's seeing is a change in leadership. Um, what she's seeing is that leaders are becoming more like coaches and that um, there's a development of a more of a team-like atmosphere where um, you have a team who's under that coach or leader um, and that team is, is expected to and is beginning to become more um, self, um, self-directed making more of the decisions for themselves. And so it's, uh, it's fascinating, Bill, that you talk about the informal because I feel that the, um, the informal has more of a place within a sort of self-guided team structure because everyone matters in that team. Everyone has a contribution to that team. The lowest member of that team is surely going to sink the whole team down and the, the, the team member who's doing the best in some ways um, in that team is, is going to raise the, the whole team up. So maybe this rise of the informal is also the rise of the, um, the, the, the self-managed team where the leader becomes um, more like a coach. But anyway, that's just some, um, some reflections. And I, you haven't had a chance to speak yet, Rusty, so I just wanted to add that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I... Um just uh, read the article there, but uh, I, I just want to reflect on uh, a party that I hosted. I had a full moon party here at my house. I have a farm uh, in a, you know, beautiful rural area, but uh, you know, there's not a lot of people who live close to me, friends that live close to me. So I invited a bunch of people over and had a, a big uh, bonfire in the backyard, burning some brush. And I was uh, quite busy clearing a spot in the woods removing sticks and stuff and 
so people didn't hurt themselves uh, when they're walking through the woods. I set up a whole bunch of hammocks in there. And, and then um, when I came back to the house, my house was full of people. Uh, I, I uh, you know, hadn't really prepared the table or whatever. And I wasn't really there to receive them. I just thought that they were going to come into the you know backyard and kind of find me there. Or regardless, uh, they would just be able to serve themselves or kind of like organize things for themselves here in the house. Uh, and so throughout the party, I was kind of busy setting up hammocks and just kind of busy taking pictures and doing all these things. And I, I almost felt like I was stepping back a little bit and um, not connecting with people as much as I, I, I wanted uh, maybe because uh, I was like busy being the host and not having those individual quality time with individual people. And, but partially that's my style as a leader is I, I create a platform so that it's not really about me and about people that are, you know, here to see me, but more, I want people to connect with each other and just create a, a comfortable space where everyone feels safe and, you know, is looked after. And so, you know, I, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's 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 always that balance of, uh, you know, you want to set the the vibe for people, and you want to, uh, you know, help introduce people to each other and all of that. Um, one other quick reflection was um, my daughter. We we have a swing where you know all these hammocks were and whatnot, and my daughter was sitting on my lap, and we're, we're on the swing and. You know, there's lasers shining through the forest, lighting everything up and, and whatnot. And when we, you know, when I'm swinging, I'm going, Yahoo! And then my daughter, you know, just parrots me and she's like, Yahoo! And like everything that I do, she she copies. So very much being a parent is is being a leader and she copies everything I do. And so it's, she's, I'm really an example of like, you know, what's acceptable in the word, world for her. And, uh, you know, I'm a rock climber. So she's always like climbing on stuff and saying that she's a rock climber. And, uh, you know, it's just we are leaders when we are, you know, I think just being our full self and other people see that, you know. So maybe we're a leader more of the time than uh, than we're not um, as a as a father or just being a, a friend to people. Um, hosting them. So it doesn't have to be in a business context. Um, that's just uh, an example from last night and our full moon party in the backyard. <laughs> well, life is a business, isn't it? <laughs> well, welcome, Dr. Lavina, Richard, Casey. Feel free to join us on stage. Uh, no pressure. And we're talking about what is the meaning of leading from the heart and bringing in new type of leadership in business, in life, anywhere we go. Um, I was watching a TED talk from the former wife of Elon Musk this morning. And she spoke, spoke beautifully about Elon Musk as her child's father, a visionary, um, and sort of destigmatizing how visionaries are sort of being seen because their ideas are off the chart, you know, for the norm. 
Um, so when we when I speak about leading from the heart uh, in the corporate world, I think this is one of the visionary concept that the more we talk about it, it will catch sort of quote quote fire. So what are your thoughts um, about when you're leading from the heart? And also when you're also being misunderstood and also understand when you, when you know, when you notice, when you tell yourself, you encourage yourself that, okay, I'm a visionary. I'm going to continue to stay in the heart. Um, what changes do you see around you? Even if it takes some time to people, for, for people to catch up on you. Um, do you have any stories? I wanted to share a story that just happened to me just now, <laughs> and I will um, refer to this to this part of the article. George calls for a new kind of leader to emerge, one who checks his ego at the door and maintains an attitude of serving others. And if you do that well, you have people following you to the end of the earth, buying your products and your services and investing in your company, he told listeners. But the interesting thing that even though he said that, he said you, 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 you. So when I, as I think as we all start a company, it's all about me, 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 or you, 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 or the leader in context, right? We always idolize that one leader, which is probably Elon Musk, and it's all about him, 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 right? So, um... Oh, I, I told a friend of mine of what, what I was doing, right? And he he he's a really good friend of mine. And so he became my mirror for me. He says that, you know, Vivian, you're creating this reforestation company because it is for you, your own development. But I want you to see how, I want you to see it from a different perspective. I want you to see in how it's not about you, but it is in how you are doing this um, to benefit other people, you know, but it's just not about you. It's about more than that, just to expand more than that, right? And, and to me, all I was going for was like, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that, because it's the mechanics of, Creating a reforestation company, it's complex. And then uh, selling carbon credits to the global market is complex. And all I was thinking about was that how am I doing, how am I moving the parts and parcels to make it happen, right? So when he helped me to um, divert my mind a bit just now, I realized what I am trying to essentially do is looking at every single player of my country as a ministry itself and pulling in their expertise to contribute to this bigger cause which is to reforest the size of Denmark in Malaysia. So on my journey towards this position, I have on ground hands-on worked with I think among the best talents in Malaysia. And because of that uh, reason, I'm able to connect back to them and pull them into this picture very effortlessly because I was 
a servant to them. I was I was an employee to them, right? But now to bring all of that picture together, it challenge it really challenges me to be a leader in a sense where you don't call a leader to be a leader because the leader is not serving themselves. It is serving the bigger picture. So that is what I am experiencing myself. And I and I went through a crying moment because it was a liberation of understanding that I was not serving myself. I was not serving other people. That I was able, I was capable of being a nation on my own as my own, as a, as a being. And being a nation means that I am able to pull in a whole sort of uh, players into the picture and we're able to be, uh, there's a level of clarity in the structure to be able to make this happen as a concerted effort rather than a one company effort. So yeah, um, this is my experience in becoming a leader. And I believe that on some level, we don't become leaders just because we choose to. We don't become leaders because we preach about it. We, we become leaders because we are actively on the ground doing the work. We, are, we become leaders because we are joining the concerted effort to create something um, to move us into the new paradigm. So, um, and that's, that's the reason why I had to become uh, what I become today. It's not even to be a coach anymore. It's to create something that is so big that is able to bring all my talents together on one plate um, and help each other in the process uh, to, to gain this bigger vision together. So it's quite interesting, um, an interesting journey um, itself. And I'm complete. Thank you. That is so beautiful, Vivian. <laughs> I am so uh, proud of you just stepping into the new level of leadership. And I know you have did one consultation uh, for me to really activate this catalyst um, uh, persona. And it really, you have a deep talent in that. And now I'm really happy that you're stepping into um, a greater amount like a role that could benefit many, many more people at once. Um, let me, yeah, gentlemen, do you have any comments? Yeah, I, I, I was just reflecting when I was listening to, to Vivian and um, there's something in what she says that I can recognize, but I can't say that I personally have um, experienced. But what I can recognize is that I think that also what Vivian's talking about is that um, when we connect to the heart, we connect to many different scales or, or frames of reference. And so Vivian has found a capacity to connect to her, her own heart in a way where her scale or her um, frame of reference is more that of a, of, of a country, of a, um, a sovereign nation. Um, and to act, to think, and to act um, from that place, and in so doing, to 
perhaps draw people towards her that um, she might not have been able to um, before. So you could sort of say that her persona um, has changed, but uh, definitely her, her sense of um, identity um, has changed and the allowable actions and the obvious actions to take um, consequently change you know, when, when our um, internal identity shifts by connecting to that capacity of the heart to, um, to touch into and connect to a much, uh, a much greater scale. So anyway, I just thought I'd put that reflection out there for whoever finds it, um, yeah, something to, uh, to bounce off. So thank you, I'm complete. I like what you said too, uh, Vivian. Um... I, I'm personally trying to build a school. And so I have had the approach where I tell people that it's, you know, my dream to create this school since I was uh, 10 years old, uh, a school that feels like summer camp. And so I've been trying to recruit people for this. I have, you know, uh, maybe 15 people so far that have put in $500 for a lifetime membership, which is not a lot of money, very little money, but you need some amount of money to make that commitment. But now, you know, my approach is, you know, not seeing how they fit into my plan, but really how, how can what I'm offering help them? You know, like, what is it that, that the sailboat that I have or the 10 acres or the network of, of uh, contacts that I have, how is this how could this be beneficial for them is really the approach that I, I need to take, you know, where is there a need in their life to have some sort of, of a social platform where people are meeting in person in circle? Um, you know, is that something that they, that they want, you know, and how can I serve them basically is where I need to take this. So I think that is, maybe a little bit more of the, well, that's just what I got out of uh, what my personal reflection was when, when you were speaking. Yeah. Could I ask Andre and Bill about your thoughts on stepping up? And I know I'm aware of you, Andre, my Stanford colleague forwarded me the link to your full moon meditation and I listened to it fully and I'm really grateful for you, Andre. Um, so my question to you, as I'm aware that you're doing summit and speaking up uh, to a greater audience, what are your thoughts about stepping up, leading from the heart? It, it's, 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 <laughs> what are your thoughts? Mm, great question, sister. Um, well, that's just it. Um, stepping up is not about look at everything I'm doing. Look at me, you know, I'm just being me. <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Stepping up is, yeah, just being yourself. It comes back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation, like in the article, they talk about their mistake was picking um, charisma over character. Speaking up is being your character. It's figuring out who you are. That's why we call it leading from the heart, because first you have to connect to your heart and see what's in there. And then you just be you out there in the world. I celebrate full moons and new moons. I'll be waking up early tomorrow to 
uh, lead a live equinox ceremony at the moment of the equinox. This is one of the ways I do it. I found that I perform better when I'm in tune with the cycles of nature, when I know when the moon is growing, when she's shrinking, um, when the daylight's getting longer, when it's getting shorter, when they're equal. And you might be thinking about this, you're like, well, that sounds a little new agey, that sounds a little woo, like I thought we were discussing leadership in corporate America. And well, to say that like the moon doesn't affect you, for example, is kind of ignoring a lot of science because we know the moon moves entire oceans. We know she affects the tides, right? Depending how you measure it, we are between 70 to 90% water. So to say that this gravitational pull doesn't affect you at all, I think feels, a, you know, to say otherwise is not woo. I think to reject that notion is to be, to show a little bit of ignorance, really. Um, in India, they have this holiday, Mahashivarti, that they just celebrated, which is all about knowing which time of the year the moon's pull is the strongest. And they celebrate this holiday by staying up all night. Um, Sadhguru is known for throwing a big overnight party uh, and do, uh, doing an event that's watched by more people than the Oscars, actually. And, you know, it's like, well, why do they do this? Well, because when you sleep, you don't take advantage of that when you're laying down. You need to be upright, either sitting or standing, so the moon's pull can pull the kundalini energy up your spine along with the rest of the fluids. That's the idea behind it. And Sadhguru is like, well, how do we get people to stay up? Well, why don't we throw a party that 100 million people are watching? You know, that's one way, that's incentive for people to stay up. So it's, it's not at all woo. It's working with the cycles of nature, being aware of them. And, you know, if you try to build a business, launch a new idea, but the moon is shrinking, you're kind of working. It's not to say you can't do it, but you have to kind of force your way through that much more because you're going against the current. But if you adopt just one simple habit, for example, when the moon is growing is when you launch new ideas so they can grow with the moon. When the moon is shrinking, you do things more like cleaning house, organizing your office, organizing your home, organizing your mind, organizing your desk, getting things off your to-do list that have been hanging over you for a while. Just that simple change. I mean, uh, Vishal Lakshmi, the guy that started Mind Valley, talked about when he started adopting moon phases and feng shui into his practices, that was the year in one year that his company went from a $4 million business to a $40 million business. You know, that's pretty substantial growth in one year. And that's all he really did was starting to consider things like that, how to go with the currents that, you know, just like electromagnetic fields and everything else, they may be subtle, but they are acting upon you, your body and your psyche in some way. So it's just awareness. And that's just one crazy idea, you know, energy and the cycles of nature coming into business. But this is this is who I am. This is me stepping up and saying, no, this isn't just for superstitious people. Like there's some actual business value here and I'm going to talk about it because this is who I am and who, what I'm interested in. But I'm not trying to be somebody. You see, I'm not trying to play a role. This is, this is just who I am. I practice this in my own business. So people ask, why are you successful in your business? Well, I'd be lying to them if I didn't say this is one of the reasons. You know, so I'm just, I'm just sharing who I am, raw and authentic. That, that's all it is. Stepping up is figuring out who you are and being more of that into the, in the world. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me welcome Stephen and Casey. Cherish, welcome. Now, Stephen, 
is a beautiful community builder. He builds a community called 413 and I have been supporting his vision for months now. And one of the reason is because he's just himself. And sometimes I go in there just laughing behind the scene because just authentic he is. Now, I would like to ask this question to Bill um, with the context. So I recently contacted Stephen Kotler, who is the author of Flow. And his assistant, oh, I told him about the podcast and why, why we want to host him on our spiritual community. We build a bridge between science and spirituality. And they turned me down because Stephen only wants to speak about science. So in the, you know, they're in the, in the, also in business, there is a fragmentation between head and the heart. And that's where we're talking about leading from the heart, why it is so important. And Andrea is talking about just be yourself, you know, don't worry about the stigma, just say and talk about what really works for him. And let people, you know, validate that and see who, 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 who's your tribe. And so my question to you, Bill, as you are in the sports arena with, I want to say, quote, quote, macho, macho men, can <laughs> I say? <laughs> Bill, how do you bring vulnerability and how do you lead in that space with authenticity? Uh, thanks, Kate. I think I'll, think I'll hit this answer, but... Um... And, and I'm going to try to really connect some stuff that uh, you brought up, Andre, because, uh, you know, that connectivity, whether it be to the moon, the different aspects of being your authentic self, knowing what's around you. Um, when you talk about leaders, things of that nature, you know, one of the simplest things we work on um, with our student athletes, um, it's as simple as just asking them um do you know what you're supposed to be doing right now? And you can translate that to business and corporations. Um, do you know what your job is? And, you know, if you do that in a very leading from the, the heart uh, perspective, then I think naturally, if somebody doesn't know, they're going to be more engaged to say, yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do here. Whether that's in coaching, you know, in a football play, basketball, um, you know, you name the sport, it could be individual or team, or in the workplace, when somebody feels vulnerable enough to say, no, I don't know, because they trust they're not going to be, you know, um, bashed for it or, you know, called out, they're going to be helped and supported with it, then they can start doing their job, uh, whether that be on the sports field or in the workplace, at a much higher level. And then I think that's just naturally how leaders come to the forefront, not so much stepping up. Uh, sometimes we expect people to step up uh, because of the position they play on the field. You know, everybody says a quarterback should step up. Well, sometimes that's just not their personality. They may be great at every tool it takes to be an amazing quarterback, uh, but they just might not be that person that's going to walk in a huddle and command the attention. Um, but if that person does their job and they do it extremely well, uh, they can win a lot of games. You know, Nick Saban will talk to this. Um, he will speak to this. He has, you know, some of the best athletes in college football. Um, and his job, as he says it, it's not to make leaders. Uh, it is to make sure the athletes that I have on the field know their job. And from there, they will just perform at extremely high levels. Um, the Gallup polls, you know, the Gallup, they've done a lot of studies where one of the most important aspects uh, within the workplace 
Um, sometimes is people just don't ask new uh, employees or even veteran employees simple things like, do you know your job? Do you know why we have you doing this during this time of the week and that during that time of the week? And sometimes when managers realize that their employees don't understand that, um, then they can help them and they become more productive. And so I think that might, you know, Andre, maybe we could pull that correlation to being your authentic self and you can be authentic and say, no, I'm not quite sure why we're doing this right now. I thought I was supposed to be doing that. When we can help that individual, then people will become their authentic selves in their job or in their position or in their sport. Uh, and I think they will naturally, as we were talking earlier, people will see them as stepping up. So they're just they're just operating or playing at a higher level because they now know what they're supposed to be doing and they know how to do it and they know how it fits in to the employee or the player teammate next to them. So, Kate, I'm not sure if I asked, uh, answered your question exactly, but um, hopefully I touched on a few of the points. All is good, Bill. Thank you for that. Stephen, do you want to share your thoughts, please? Yes, uh, I think I will um, relate it into Bill so that it relates to Bill so I don't just go off in a wild ta tangent in a different direction. Um, I work in the business field, but uh, I've had, I have conversations with people in sports and uh, specifically some coaches. And what I, what I find compelling about, uh, say, the coaching mentality is, um, yeah, there's a team. There's no I in team, et cetera. Um, and I always find what I find fascinating is you're working with constraints, right? Like in football. Here's what I mean by theory of constraints. In football, you get like film tape, like video film tape of their performance. Can you imagine if you said, okay, I know you're working as a secretary, but I'm going to film you the entire time so I can watch everything. And that's going to be your film tape. I don't think that would go over so well. And um, But on the flip side, you have other constraints that, to work with which you may feel a certain way about a person. Like for example, you watch a player like um, uh, AB, this guy in the NFL that, you know, he's total chaos, but he scores so many points that uh, people tolerate it. So in football, it's kind of e easy to measure and look at, but if it's a person that's a, in a business, you don't get to get film tape. You don't get to say, hey, look, I'm gonna film every minute you're here if I'm paying you, you're on film. No, they're not. You're not going to get people that are going to be okay with that. And so, I look at it in in the business field. There's so many variables. And when I looked at leading from the heart, I look at the heart is from two directions. Either the direction of your heart is just what you're filled with the most. So I just look at it as like maybe a deeper level of the mind. Uh, as I see the heart, like that's just the deep, 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 deep thoughts, things you've thought about a lot. And I think when it comes to leading from the heart, I would start with this. So say I'm talking to somebody and say, look, look, let's have a, let's have a conversation of leading from the heart. And I'd start it this way. I'd say, hey, what, what are the things that um, are principles to you? Like what is really, really, really important to you? And then what is just a preference to you? Because it's, it's getting clear on what people's preferences are and principles are. 
so you know what they really, really care about. Because if you do that, you can have any heart idea, you know, I'm being nice, kind, whatever. But if you step on somebody's principle without knowing it, like say, hey, look, the the um, we're all going to go out to have uh, breakfast as a team tomorrow. Great. Oh, let's do a team build. Isn't this me just leading from the heart? Let's go to have breakfast. And uh, um, one of the people that happens to come has a, a, a religious thing where they don't even want to be at the table of somebody that's eating pork. And somebody just says, oh, bacon, bacon, bacon. They want to talk about how bacon's the greatest thing in the planet. And you have another person that's there that's like, uh, you know, that's the worst thing to be talking to me about. And so, you, so, you know, you can think you're leading from the heart by doing something. Oh, let me just take a team, put a team out to breakfast. But I, I don't know how often my question that leads to Bill is like on the team thing, when you run into that in like, you know, say you've got a team of 18 people and uh, they all love bacon, but you get the 19th that won't be um, uh, eating bacon or even at a table where people are doing it. How do you lead from the heart with that one person? Uh, you know, so leading from the heart, I just think, comes down to getting clear on what people's principles are and their preferences are up front. So I'd, I'd leave it with that. I think it's, it comes down to principles and preferences. Is this a principle to you? Because some people be like, hey, look, bacon, I can have bacon sausage. I can have the beef one, whatever. And you get another person says, hey, look, I can't be at a table where somebody's eating bacon because I can't even stand the smell of it. And how do you deal with the person that... Uh, you know, how do you show them uh, that you're leading from the heart with them? And um, and that's that's what I think is the really challenging stuff is principles versus preferences. And I'll leave it there. This is Steve Michelsky. I'm done speaking. Yeah, that's that's that's, you know, a, a great point, Stephen. And, and you know, I, I think it is a little bit easier maybe at times, you know, in, in using football to your first example, you know, in the huddle. Uh, you've got plenty of people that like bacon, don't like bacon, um, you know, pray on Sundays and in different arenas and, and venues, but they all come together uh, for that common focus, right? And, and you use a film reference. I would say, my, at least my history uh, in the uh, programs and companies um, that we had our most success from year over year growth and just retention of staff and and leadership development, as well as um, just, you know, um, new business initiatives. We took some of that sports perspective, but we applied it to culture surveys. But when you were doing the surveys, so it's not film, right? It's not a film of me doing a job. But in that survey, uh, twice a year, so at the end of the second and fourth quarter, um, when you answer your survey, your culture questions, it's about how you view most people around you perform in these cluster areas. And then as leadership, the CEOs, the organizations, uh, the boards, if you will, they take that data and then they form committees around it to help drive and increase performance. And from those, naturally, you have some, some individuals stepping up. So, you know, that's about as close as I could think of uh, as I was listening to you. Um, and, and you made a great point, um, not having the film. But I think as a leader of an organization, if you're willing to truly open uh, up to the feedback of the employees, uh, you can get not immediate film feedback, but you can get trends within your company to see what's really going on, the informal, which I think we were talking about uh, before you, you hopped in the room. Uh, we can begin to understand the informal, what's really going on, 
and then we can help drive. Um, and, I, and I do believe employees see that as a way of leading from the heart, not so much from a trust fall or a team builder perspective, but leading from the heart that, wow, the people that have the titles, they value my feedback, they value my input. So I'd leave it there. And, and just for the record, uh, I love bacon and I love beef equally as much. So <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't, I, I could be fine at that breakfast table. Yeah, I, I just have one more follow-up if I can ask, because this is really controversial, but I'd really love to know your your feedback on this. Is um, Because, I mean, I, I say the film, and that would make it really interesting if you had a secretary. So that makes it easier. Tougher one, the, the, the one that I wrestle with that I would hate to be in a position. So tell me something more controversial than this one, because I think, because I'm picturing being, a, being like a head coach, say NFL. Uh, you have like a, the, the the Raiders. I'm a Raider fan, and do do they do you, do they really go around and say they have a so they have a they get an outspoken gay man that's naked in there in the locker room and I'm going man do they take a poll and ask the guys how they feel about that or do some of the things like hey look um, here's how the heart works we're not going to listen to what you have to say about that or, I mean do they really let those be like polls and you know, like, oh, we want to know your feelings on that. And do they really like, hey, look, we want everybody's feelings to on that topic to be out there. I just don't get how you can do that. Like, can you, like, I, I'd say you're a coach and you, they're, they're, you know, you're the, the so it's a real life circumstance. You have, you have man, outspoken gay man, he's going to be in the locker room naked with you, whatever, you know, and you're going to go, are you going to say, look, um, we need to hear each and every person's feelings on that topic. We want you to speak at length about how you feel about that. Are you going to let all 30 of the players get like an even, oh, everybody's going to get to be heard on this, and we want to know your real, 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 real feelings on this. Is there really a space for 30 guys to let to, to be heard on that? Or is that like just one of those things that's just going to be, that seems unsolvable to me because I don't think that you're that they're really going to say, "Hey, look, we really want to know that your true feelings on this." I just don't think it's going to happen. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I would lean in obviously on on the the leaders of our culture, but I think that could blow up, right? And that could be, um, you know, a very toxic environment. Or on the flip side, and if I remember correctly, I, I do think there were a few players that came out very strongly uh but yet i would say leading from the heart meaning um what my teammate um you know has come out with that doesn't fit in my space from my religious beliefs but listen that person is a human being just like i am he respects my point of view i respect where he's at and at the end of the day we're both working for the same company in this case a football team and we are going hand in hand you know, I think you could equate that to the same example to standing or kneeling for the national anthem. You know, you saw a lot of solidarity around that from people from, you know, the Midwest like I am to Compton, California, to New York City and everywhere in between other countries as well. Um, I think when you have a very strong, healthy culture uh, where I would say leading from the heart is being role modeled and exemplified somewhere uh, throughout that culture. Uh, individuals know how to coexist, right? Um, and they know how to put their personal beliefs uh, or their feelings aside for the betterment uh, of the whole. 
but also there were some locker rooms during the standing and kneeling of the national anthem that they imploded, right? Uh, because they didn't have that that strong culture. So I think again, now you know, we went back to that very beginning when, when an organization, sports or company, is willing to recognize that the informal, what really is going on in your business or it, with your team, when you recognize that that uh, needs to be addressed and heard. Uh, I think those examples, like you said, Stephen, um, they can have great endings, um, but they can also be on the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, that's 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 a great uh, great example, and definitely something that uh, um, the entire group probably has input on, and people can can debate forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant point, Bill and Stephen. Brilliant, you know catapult catapulted questions here so we do uh, we do close this room in eight minutes and this is the finale of leading from the heart for humanity 2022 project and our moderators uh have been showing up here consistently and really welcome doha and jenny feel free to come up and share your insight this is your chance and also um going back to this article written by Mar Margaret um, Bill George says we need to bring heart and soul back to leadership and to your point Stephen about is it possible is it not possible and is Bill sort of slightly hinted on this creating a culture where people are putting um, what is fundamentally important I think it goes beyond um, the preference versus what is the principles and the principle we can create as a leader in my own, in my idealistic view by calling it calling the shot hey this is the principle of this team that we're going to treat everyone equally meaning we go back to the we go we connect to the heart or connect to the soul there is there's that oneness and if a leader can do this beautifully and articulate this beautifully i think anything is possible Steve, do you have last comment on this? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I just look at it and think, um, yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful conversation to consider because, you know, the principle can be, well, if a person has the principle of this is a, a huge violation to me, and you go, well, I don't care that that's your principle. <laughs> that's that's what it sometimes comes across like, like, yeah, you can have that principle. But here's how it's going to be. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, if you just know what it's going to be, I just don't think it's very safe to have conversations in, in different directions on things right now, whether it be, you know, a, a swimmer you have an opinion on or whether it be an, like and, and, and Bill, I actually gave that as an example to see if you would catch it because uh, Carl Naseb is, I think, the first one. And uh, he was with the Raiders. And um, I think that was and. Uh, this year, he is suddenly not. So I always wonder, you know, what what what's is there stuff happening behind the scenes there that you know that they're not that's not going to ever hit the sidelines, and that's why he may not be coming back because you know, yeah, we have principal preferences, and there's all this pressure, and they just look for an out, and I, I don't know, it, it's got to be tough because say you are, are, are an outspoken gay man, I mean, it's got to be a tough thing being being on there if you're adamantly like uncomfortable with that. That's got to be rough. So you've got two rough positions and telling either side to go, hey, look, you just got to take it. 
it's you're, you're either t- saying one side you take it or the other side you take it at some point at some point you're, you're you're having to say look i don't care if that's your principle this is it too bad i mean to one side or the other which is fine um because it's going to happen but you know it's, it's just an interesting thought experiment and i love what you're doing here kate you sound spectacular um running the room here and bill i really enjoyed the conversation really fun thank you so much i'm done Yes, yes. Uh, thank, thanks, Stephen. I am the product of your role modeling leadership in 413. <laughs> okay, so now we're closing in five minutes. I'd like to give an opportunity for our moderators to share what are your specialty and how people can um, connect, contact with you if we were to further and uh, take the conversation uh, privately. So let's start with Rusty, could you? Well, uh, thanks for organizing and just always having such a, a loving, open vibe that makes everyone feel comfortable and the high quality of people that you uh, to have brought to this. So thank you for that, Kate. And thank you for everyone for coming. Um, I make custom-made hammocks called Hanging Hugs. So my, my gift to the world, I call myself a space creator. So uh, you can go on my website, hangingHugs.com and make yourself a, a beautiful hammock there. Uh, so my contact information is there and my Instagram and all of that is found through my my clubhouse profile. So uh, feel free to connect with me uh, that way. But I live uh, in eastern Canada and I'm starting a uh, school, as I mentioned, called Dream Seed, which uh, includes uh, my farm and a 26-foot sailboat and a 10-acre uh, forest school and now I just bought the house across the street so that'll be a tiny house park and a restaurant a Korean restaurant so Kate come get some Korean food um, and we'd love to welcome you all here to take part in uh, what we're uh, in the dream seed school so please uh, you know stay in touch uh, for sure for sure Korean barbecue uh, Jason how about you Yeah, I can only echo what um, what Rusty said about, yes, thanks, Kate, for bringing us together for the high quality of uh, conversation and the the true heart-centeredness, you know, that, that we've all um, embodied and uh, hopefully um, deepened in our in ourselves and in our in our listeners. Um, myself, I'm just in love with human beings. Uh, I'm in love with our our beautiful um, Mother Earth, Planet Earth, and, and I'm in love with human beings. I think that human beings, despite all of their capacities, uh, including to act lower than and more savage than uh, any animal on the planet, um, we also partake of um, and, and shine forth with the divine. And I'm just in love with human beings. And if you want to step into your highest and your most truest potential, uh, please reach out to me. You'll find my website, um, acceptyouramazing.com, um, has all the uh, contact information and also the uh, yeah Clubhouse profile. So I, uh, I look forward to connecting with anyone who wants to uh, reach out and have a conversation about being amazing. So thank you very much indeed, Kate. Appreciate it greatly. Yes, Jason, thank you as well. I appreciate you as well and Rusty as well. Now, Bill, how about how about you? Yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, 
You can uh, visit us at www.cosma.fit. Um, oh, that's listed in my profile. Uh, it's our catchy little acronym. Uh, we specifically work with parents and their student athletes, son or daughter, um, mostly in the high school range. Um, and then we follow them into college, obviously, but supporting their dreams from an individual mental performance, um, as well as understanding the sociological dynamics of the teams that are around them. Uh, and then the other aspect of what we do is we work with high schools and universities in our Wellness U platform. Where we have a full uh, continuum of care that is app-based, uh, but provides uh, impactful feedback to coaches and athletic directors to better understand what's really going on uh, in their locker rooms and on their campus and their hallways. So uh, that's how you can get a hold of us. If, if you or anyone you know um, want to reach out, visit the website and you can schedule a time. And again, Kate, uh, I appreciate the time tonight, and, and it's been great meeting a bunch of new people, and I've enjoyed it. Thank you to all. Yes, Bill, honored to meet you, and lovely what you're doing for the the sports industry. Thank you. And Vivian, how about you? Hi. Um, I'm a coach that delivers soul syllabuses. That is my mission, to help to activate people to remember who they are and why they are here on this earth for to fulfill your soul mission. Secondly, I'm running a reforestation company and uh, to sell carbon credits to the global market and to reforest the size of Denmark in Malaysia. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. You can reach out to me at numwaysanctuary.com, which is on my profile. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Vivian. Uh, thanks for your uh, friendship and your beautiful heart. I appreciate you too. And Andrea, how about you? Uh, thank you, Kate. Thank you for this whole series and for assembling such an amazing and talented group of people. I'm just humbled listening to each of you talk about your projects and what you're doing out there in the world. It's uh, truly amazing. Um, I simply teach meditation and Tantra. Um, I help people connect back to their hearts and uh, their inner self. Um, we've got some uh, really exciting projects that we're doing too. We're building currently five intentional communities in three different countries and uh, just creating a way for people to reconnect with their spirituality while not neglecting the other areas of their lives growing in that as well. And uh, to um, earlier what was said about like science and mysticism, at least on the surface appearing to have, you know, um, a conflict like as science advances and as we develop more and more um, precise and sensitive scientific instruments, we're actually validating a lot of the things that the mystics have been teaching us for centuries. So I don't even view it as a science versus mysticism. Like for me, a lot of my work lies right at the intersection of the two. Even our Connecting to Heart Summit that we're running this weekend, like we have mystics, we have medicine women, we have tantricas, but we also have scientists, doctors, TEDx speakers on our panels and discussions. Like we're really, we're really seeing now the merger of the two worlds and that's really exciting. A hundred years ago, Nikola Tesla predicted that uh, the day that science starts studying non-physical phenomenon, it will advance more in 10 years than it has since its inception. And it's just really, really cool to be right at the precipice of that. It's a really exciting time to be alive. And I'm just really, really inspired um, 
by the work that all of you are doing out there. And if anybody wishes to get in touch with me and learn more about the work that I'm doing, I'm really easy to find, tantricawakening.net, tantricawakening.net. And you'll see all of our upcoming events and uh, links to our various socials on there. So thank you so much, Kate, once again. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank, thanks, Andre, bringing visionary leadership into this space, uh, going beyond the stigma and all of that, bringing ancient wisdom. Uh, Stephen, how about you? I just wanted to give uh, a thank you to every single person on the stage. It was an honor, uh, very well high decorum uh, room. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to participate. Very high decorum, very engaging conversation. And uh, appreciate everybody. I sent I sent a thank you to everybody, Kate. Thank you for having me, and I uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much, and I'm done. Uh, Stephen, could you share a little bit of a four one three? Love your community. Oh, it it is seven days a week, and it's at three thirty eight Pacific Standard Time, so that's six thirty eight a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm -hmm. So Kate will probably be inviting you in. She she brings in so many really really wonderful people and we talk about three things every day so if you come in here's what you'll get every time you come in you'll get this there'll be um upside surprises too but um there's these three things thankfulness encouragement and forward thinking so we'll ask you know we'll ask you what you're thankful for we'll ask you for words of encouragement and we'll ask you for forward thinking words so every time you'll leave you're going to leave with uh, encouragement, thankful, thankfulness, encouragement, and forward thinking, and uh, yeah. But there's there's people such as Kate that are there, and also Will, who's in the followed by speaker section. And an example would be, you know, Will brings in people, and it's very new people friendly, um, and it's a uh, the, the quorum's high, and the people quality is astounding. And you'll see a stage with a lot of people, and uh, I'm the only moderator. So I'm the only moderator. If you come in and uh, don't moderate anybody, um, but uh, that's what it is. But uh, Kate's Kate's one of the Kate's superstar in bringing people in. And once again, thank you, Kate, for always doing that. And we've probably known each other for it way over six months now. So thank you again, Kate, for doing that. But thank you, everybody that was on the stage. You were all wonderful to hear and wonderful, you know, wonderful to listen to. Thank you so much, and I'm done. Yes, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you and what you do and hence internally motivated to support you. Now, I am Kate. Um, I have created a 30-day happiness program for people to de-stress, learn to self-love and find healing tools. Um, so you can find us on lifeofemerald.com slash all dash classes on there. I've brought in PhD scholars from Stanford University and Tohoku University and my friend who works at Stanford Children's Hospital. They offer insight about the benefit of forgiveness and the scientific benefit of meditation. And Edward, strangely enough, he channels spiritual energy to help you shift depression into joy, uh, anger into joy. And I have collected the healing tools that have helped me stand up in my own two feet, uh, that is self-love. So yeah, um, 
find us there and you can join our global movement um, advocating for mental health we have 45 plus international speakers already recorded on podcast and this podcast is called anchor.fm slash life of emerald and by the way this segment lead from the heart for humanity 2022 this was the finale of the season and all of them were recorded and i'm creating a podcast Thank you, everybody, for your friendship and your valuable insights. I appreciate every one of you. Dr. Will, Doha, Jenny, Ash, Honey, welcome. And I'm going to say see you later.